Odell asked me to share. Oh, we've got one there. Odell asked me to share on a topic that's really, really hard. Thank you, Daryl. That was really nice of you. Um, so Daryl asked me to share on loving your enemies, which I don't find all that easy to do, to tell you the truth. So this morning I've titled my message, Loving and Forgiving Your Enemies, The Cure for a Crushed Spirit. True story that I'm going to read to you. A frail black woman rises slowly to her feet. She is over 70 years of age. Facing across the room are several white security police officers, one of whom, Mr. Van der Broek, has just been tried and found implicated in the murders of both the woman's son and her husband some years before. He had come to the woman's home, taken her son, shot him at point-blank range, and then set the young man's body on fire while he and his officers partied nearby. Several years later, Vanderbrook and his cohorts returned and took away her husband as well. Almost two years after her husband's disappearance, Vanderbrook came back to fetch the woman herself. How vividly she remembers that evening going to a place beside a river where she was shown her husband bound and beaten but still strong in spirit, lying on a pile of wood. His last words she heard from his lips as the officers poured gasoline over his body and set him aflame were, Father, forgive them. Now the woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confessions offered by Mr. Vanderbrook. A member of the South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission turns to her and asks, So what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I mean, if anyone has ever suffered a crushed spirit, it was this woman who watched her son shot to death, watched her husband murdered by being burnt alive. Now, there are many causes of crushed spirits. A hurt, a bitter disappointment, an abuse, a cruel action, a broken promise, a betrayal, an injustice, neglect, just a lack of love, a rejection by a mum or a dad or a family member. All of these can result in a crushed spirit. In Proverbs 18 verse 14 we read, The human spirit can endure a sick body, but who can bear it if the spirit is crushed? So the Bible says that if a person is not healed of a crushed spirit, their life can't bear it, and it will have long-lasting detrimental effects in some form or another in a person's mind, will and emotions. And last time I was here I preached to you how as an innocent seven-year-old I was sexually abused by an employee of my dad and when my dad discovered um, the abuse um, he beat me with his belt but didn't fire the employee. My spirit was crushed as a seven-year-old kid. My mum was in Glenside Mental Hospital I was in the care of my dad, who was meant to be loving me, and he abused me. 
Uh, when I was 12, 13 years of age, I went up to my dad when he was sitting at the kitchen table reading the newspaper and I put my arm around his neck and shoulders. Before I knew what had happened, he flung his arm back, threw me against the wall, spun around on his chair, put his finger in my face and said, men don't touch. My spirit was crushed. My heart was broken and I hated my dad from that day on. See, what happened then was I just became bitter and my crushed spirit made me into a bitter, hateful, unforgiving, resentful, self-pitying, angry man, young man, teenager. And all of these experiences, these hindered and prevented me from loving or receiving love and from knowing any kind of peace. So, through going through these abuses as a child, I became an angry, fearful, hateful man. And I was so blinded and twisted and bent and sick with unforgiveness that it even carried over into my Christian life. I thought that when I became a Christian, I'd be instantly transformed. In one way I was, I was changed. To never ever be the same again. But my crushed spirit wasn't healed at that time. And it took years for me to learn to trust my Heavenly Father. Because you tend to think subconsciously of your Heavenly Father being like your earthly father. And so I found it very hard to trust God with my life. And so even as a Christian, I was a crushed, bitter, frightened man. And I wasn't even able to show affection and love to my own children and my wife, which nearly destroyed our marriage. It was only Jesus Christ who finally provided my healing as I learned to trust him, as I found that he had provided healing keys in his word. And look, I'm not the only one. There are so many who suffer from crushed spirits to some degree and it steals their life. I mean, we are created to be an instrument of love. And we really only function well when we love. See, life is not where we work. Life is not down the sports field. Life is not making lots of money. Life is not finally making it to retirement and buying a caravan, which I have done, um, and travelling around Australia. Life is loving relationships. Life is where you love. And without loving relationships, you cannot really experience life. A wounded spirit, an unforgiving spirit, a bitter spirit, unhealed, robs us of all that makes life good. But God's word tells us how to be healed from a crushed spirit, and that is love and forgiveness. And without forgiving those that have crushed our spirit, there will be a crippling of relationships with people and there will be a toll taken in our mental, emotional and even physical health. And that is why we see so many broken marriages, suicides, addictions to drug and alcohol. They say for drug, drug addicts, 
the vast majority of drug addicts have been sexually abused as children. Vast majority, higher percentage of anything else. So none of us can afford the luxury of resentment, self-pity, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, revenge, because they distort the human personality, which I so well know, because, man, I was a depraved young man, a very depraved young man, and if not for Jesus, I would have continued to go into life as a very evil, corrupt man. Now, people want, all people want and need love, happiness in their lives, but they just don't know how to handle their past, how to handle the fear, how to handle the pain, how to deal with the anger buried so deep under a layer of depression they don't even know where it comes from. Oh, I'd love to tell you some stories how God uncovered my resentment, my rejection of all women. I won't tell you. It could take too long. If we get through, I might tell you. But the healing process commences with forgiveness. But it's hard to forgive those who have wronged me, you may say, in pain and protest. So true. But you can't hold on to a hurt and enjoy life. You've got to let it go. You've got to give up your right to get even, not because they deserve it, but because it releases you to be free to live and to love. So we need to understand what it means and what it does not mean to love our enemies and forgive them. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians, find it almost impossible to come to that place where they love their enemies and forgive them because they, they believe untruths about what that means. It does not mean necessarily restoring a relationship. You don't restore a relationship with a dangerous person who is still unsafe for you. Um, you don't put yourself in emotional danger um, and you don't have to restore a relationship because you forgive. So we need to understand that. Now, Dr. Neil Anderson, a well-known Christian sociologist, writes these sentences, and these helped me a lot when it came to me getting free. So I'm just going to read what Neil Anderson says. He says, Forgiveness is not forgetting. People who want to forget all that was done to them will find they cannot do it. Don't put off forgiving those who have hurt you, hoping the pain will one day go away. Once you choose to forgive someone, then Christ can come and begin to heal you of your hurts. But the healing cannot begin until you first forgive. Point two, understand forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. It's an act of your will, a decision. And since God requires you to forgive... It means you can do it. You think you can't, but if God commands it, God never commands us to do something that we cannot do. It might be hard, but we can do it if God commands it. 
Neil Anderson goes on to say, sometimes it's very hard to forgive someone because we naturally want revenge for the things we've suffered. Forgiveness seems to go against our sense of what is right and fair. So we hold on to our anger, punishing people over and over again for the pain they've caused us. But we are told by God never to take our own revenge. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 17 to 19. And here we read, Never pay back evil for evil. Never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. For he has said, I will repay. I will repay those that deserve it. So Neil Anderson says, let God deal with the person. Let the justice system and the law courts, which are God's instruments, deal with the person. But let them off your hook. Because as long as you refuse to forgive someone, you're still hooked to them. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that you don't go and report them to the police, e.g. an abuser. You can forgive someone. There's a man in Murray Bridge who sexually abused a bunch of kids in one of the traditional churches. He would go back to them and say, oh, you have to forgive me. I've repented. They would let him go back. He'd abuse another kid. They'd ban him from the church for a year. He'd come back and say, I've really repented now. You know what the church should have done? They should have reported him the police had him jailed. His wife and daughter, who he had, sec- he had sexually abused his own daughter, they came into the Christian Family Centre Church in Murraybridge, my church. He rings me up and says, I'm just ringing to let you know that I'm coming to your church. I said, no, you're not. He said, you can't stop me. I said, I will physically grab you and march you out of the church, even if you have to get two or three other men. He said, but you have to forgive me. I said, I have forgiven you. I said, but forgiveness doesn't mean that I have to let you in to a church which is like a lolly shop to a paedophile. I said, we have you know, hundreds of children. I said, and if you really have repented... You, out of love, will put yourself in a church that has no children so you don't endanger them. So you're you're a hypocrite. You're wanting to go into a place where you will be severely tempted. And you're going to cause great trauma to your wife and to your daughter. Don't tell me that you've repented. Therefore, you cannot come. See, love is tough. Love isn't sentimental, wishy-washy. I've added this story and I'm probably going to run out of time now, but I think it's one of the best illustrations that I can think of how you can forgive. So in forgiveness, I I chose his highest good. I chose for him to be saved. Um, I released him to God and my desire was for his highest good, that he would truly repent and come to Jesus. And um, in that... I loved him because love is choosing the highest good of the loved one. And so, but I wasn't going to let him come and traumatise his daughter in our church. I've forgotten where I was up to. Okay, we'll go to point three. By forgiving, you let the other person off your hook, but they're not off God's hook. You must trust that God will deal with a person justly and fairly, something you simply cannot do. You might say, 
but you don't know how much this person hurt me. You're right, we don't. But Jesus does, and he tells you to forgive. And don't you see, until you let go of your anger and hatred, the person is still hurting you. You can't turn back the clock and change the past, but you can be free from it. You can stop the pain, but there's only one way to do it, and that is forgive. So I forgave my abuser. I won't mention his name because it's being recorded today. I might have done it last time. Um, but I had to come to the place where to be free from my hatred and my anger and my bitterness, I had to forgive him and love him and that choose his highest good. Not restore a relationship with an unrepentant man, um, but to choose his highest good. And to choose his highest good, I said, Father, I forgive, I'll give another name, I forgive Fred, and I pray for his salvation. I release him to you, and I pray for his highest good. Father, if he was in an electric chair, and there was a red button that fried him, and a green button that released him, I would choose and, and, and he came to the place where he, he I would choose to press the green button and release him to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and be saved I would rather release him to be saved than fry him because he's still in your hands he still has to face you and so I saw myself releasing him so he could go to Jesus and be forgiven like I was forgiven. And I didn't deserve forgiveness. Does that, is that clear? Does that help you understand? Um, so I had to forgive my abuser. I prayed, Jesus, I pray for that man, sick with selfish evil thoughts. I pray for him to find you and receive you as his saviour and have his heart changed and changed into a new man because unless he does, he'll go to hell and I wouldn't wish hell on a dog, let alone a human being. Point four, Neil Anderson says, you forgive others for your sake so you can be free. Forgiveness is mainly a matter of obedience to God. God wants you to be free. There is no other way. Okay. Number five. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. You're going to live with those consequences anyway, whether you like it or not. The only choice you have is whether you will do so in the bondage of bitterness or in the freedom of forgiveness. So these five points from Dr. Neil Anderson helped me greatly in my process of discovering healing through forgiveness. Now, you already know that I love dogs. Well, I used to breed Doberman, Doberman dogs. And I had a litter of Dobermans and I advertised them for sale. And this husband and wife came along and wanted to buy a Doberman. And as soon as my wife met them, and she's never said this about anyone before or since, she said, I don't want to sell a dog to them. There's something bad about these people. And they, they, they make me feel really uncomfortable. There's something... I just feel there's something dark about them. I said, oh, don't be silly. You know, that's, that's, you know, a, a buyer is a buyer. We'll just, 
Anyway, they wanted to take the dog early, the pup early, like I think it was six weeks. I, I always waited till ten. And I said to them, you need to keep it inside because Parvo was going around. I said, you mustn't go out, mustn't take it out, else, and you must keep it inside in the warm. It's too young, I don't want to sell it, but you're being very insistent, so okay, but it's your responsibility. Guess what happened? He took it to work, the dog got Parvo, it died. He rang me up and said, um, our dog died, we want another one. And I said, I've got one left, a, a male dog, which I had planned keeping for myself. But, look, I feel sorry for you. I'll sell it to you at half price. Okay, we'll be around. They come to the front door. I let them in. I take them out to the outside dog pen. And as soon as they see the pup, this guy who was a builder, covered in tats. I mean, he was muscles on his muscles. And... He just spun around, he grabbed me by the throat, he threw me up against the wall and held me pinned to the wall with his fist in my face. His wife went into the dog pen, grabbed the pen, she jumped over the fence, he released me and jumped over the fence, gone. Man, I was so angry. I felt so violated. My kids saw it all. My wife and my kids were totally traumatised. The kids were crying. Man, it was terrifying. And so I rang the police. The police do nothing. They said, oh, it's a court matter. You're not for us to decide, you know. So you're going to have to go to court. Well, I've been to court. You don't go to court unless you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars because it just costs so much to go to court. I, I was a pastor, and I was so angry. I'm going, man, I hope that dog dies. Man, that guy, I go, man, I feel like getting a rifle, loading it with, with wax bullets and shooting it into his radiator. And when the radiator boils, the wax will melt, they won't know what's happened. I'm thinking, I mean, I'm a pastor, and I'm thinking these... I mean, all of a sudden I become aware of how depraved I am if I'm not obeying Jesus. And I'm thinking, I'm only telling you the nice thoughts I'm thinking. I was thinking really bad thoughts. And this went on, this hatred in my heart, because it just inflamed all my memories you know, and all my past feelings. And I was livid. And honestly, it was robbing me of life. And I came to the place where I made the decision that I'm going to have to resign as a pastor because I can't live like this. But I just couldn't forgive him. And anyway, I'm reading my Bible and I come across that terrible, terrible verse that said, if someone takes your coat, give them your cloak also. And I'm going, oh, I didn't want to read that. <laughs> and then there was the verse kept coming to mind, Bless those that curse you. Do good to those that despitefully use you. And finally I gave in. So I got on my knees. I closed my eyes. I raised my hands and I said, Father, I pray your blessing upon that man. I pray for the, his, the salvation of him and his wife because I wouldn't wish hell on a dog and 
that's where they're going if they are, remain just these hateful, dark, wicked people. And so I pray for them, I pray for their salvation. And Father, I pray that it will be a really good dog, that it won't bite their kid, that it will be just a good, loving, caring dog. And I felt free. I'm going, oh, this is wonderful. I can, I can function again. And this black cloud's gone off my head. Two days later, it was back. And all these thoughts of anger. I got down on my knees again, raised my hands. You know, this went on for six months, but reducing. I like the time spaces were increasing. So it was every two days, then it was once a week, and then once a month, and once every couple of months. So I'm saying I did not find it easy to love my enemies and to forgive them. I really needed God's help. But guess what happened in the process because I obeyed God? I was asked to fill in as a supply manager for South Australian Dental Service because the previous supply manager got pressured out of the job for embezzling. And so I took the job, you know, and because it meant an increase in salary. And I eventually got the job and they made it a double jump promotion. And so I got a huge increase in salary. But while I was doing the job temporarily, they said, if you take the job, we'll give you a car and petrol every day. Well, I'll tell you what, in a couple of months, I got more, I saved more money by having that gift of a car and petrol to go to work every day than I lost over the dog. And then one of the young men in the a church, his dad and mum divorced and his dad had this beautiful big male Doberman dog. And he said, Ray, do you want it? I said, I wanted a male Doberman dog. I've got a free dog. And I ended up getting the promotion. But do you know what I believe? I believe that if I hadn't obeyed God, God wouldn't have been able to honour me and bless me. Oh, heck, I shouldn't have told that story. Anyway. Do you know that God has kept a record of every one of your tears? The times that you've been abused, the times that you've felt injustice or experienced prejudice, hurt or rejection. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, You, God, have kept a record of all my tears. So God knows and God comforts us. And he is going to settle the score one day because he is a just God as well as a merciful God. And so we do need to hand it over to God. The terrible things that God that have been done to you, God is going to remember. It won't be forgotten. And if God is going to remember all the hurts that have been done to you, then you can stop rehearsing it in your mind and wasting your emotional energy on it, like I was over the man who stole my dog. I was rehearsing it every day. It was emotionally draining me, you know. But Jesus remembers. He will bring justice one day. I don't need to worry about it anymore. And Jesus understands abuse. He knows what we have been through because he was abused. So I had to do what Jesus did if I wanted to be blessed. 1 Peter 2.23 When he suffered, he did not threaten to get even. 
He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. Now we're going to jump back to the South African story. I looked it up last night on Google to check that it was not a fake story and found that it was a true story. Now the woman stands in the courtroom and listens to the confessions offered by Mr. Vanderbrook, a member of the South African, Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission, turns to her and asks, so what do you want? How should justice be done to this man who has so brutally destroyed your family? I want three things, begins the old woman, calmly but confidently. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. She pauses, then continues, My husband and my son were my only family. I want secondly, therefore, for Mr Vanderbrook to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so I can pour out on him whatever love I still have remaining in me. <sighs> Tell her, man. And finally, she says, I want a third thing. This is also the wish of my husband, and so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbrook in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he is truly forgiven. As the court assistants come to lead the elderly woman across the room, Mr. Vanderbrook, overwhelmed by what he has just heard, faints. As he does so, those in the courtroom, family, friends and neighbours, all victims of decades of oppression and injustice, begin to sing softly, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. What a story. I said to my wife last night, surely this can't be true. I've got to check it out. Fact, fact checker in Google. And there it was. Matthew 6.14 If we forgive others who have sinned against us, God will forgive our sins. So if you've got a, a crushed spirit that is festering and affecting your life, there really can be no health or healing until, number one, you've sought forgiveness from God and also granted forgiveness to those who have hurt you. Because forgiveness, unless forgiven, cannot, unless given, cannot be received. And God promises to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And nothing that you have ever done or had done to you is too great for your Father's power to forgive. I'm just going to skip through because I've used up my 30 minutes. Um, so what does God's forgiveness do for us? Number one, receiving God's forgiveness for our sin restores us into a wonderful relationship with a loving Heavenly Father and a wonderful Saviour Jesus who loves us, cares for us, walks with us and you know, helps us through life, helps us to make life work. Number two, when God forgives us, he hits the delete button that clears your file of all sin against you and he forgets your sin. And Romans 5, 6-9 says, God has shown us how much he loves us 
It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. By his death, we are now put right with God. Number three, forgiveness from God removes our guilt. He removes our guilt. It's wonderful to have a clean, a clean conscience. Number four, forgiveness from God renews our health. So much ill health is caused by emotional, mental and psychological problems. Resentment, anger, bitterness, lust, jealousy, fear, guilt. It affects our health and our happiness. Uh, number five, forgiveness from God restores our peace. I tell you what, peace is one of the most wonderful gifts that we find through Christ. People don't have peace. And I think the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts I experienced was just all of a sudden I had peace when I found Jesus. What does forgiveness given by us to others do for us? Forgiveness from us releases us from the effects of hatred and bitterness and revenge. That poisons our soul and it opens the door to all sorts of destructive and demonic powers. Number two, forgiveness from us releases us to live in loving relationships. And as I said, Love, uh, life is not where you play sport, make money. Real life is where you have loving relationships. Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind and tender-hearted to one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this incredible story from the South African justice system, um, reconciliation, justice and reconciliation. Father, this African lady has just given us an incredible example of the love of God, the God kind of love that loves in spite of and not because of. Father, the only way that we can love and forgive like that African lady is through the power of Jesus Christ. Father, if there are those here today who are experiencing the damaging effects of a crushed spirit, what can they do today? Father, I would encourage them to ask Jesus to be their Lord and Saviour and to forgive their sin. And then secondly, I would pray that they would forgive those who have sinned against them through talking to God, just like I talked to God when that man stole my dog and, and attacked me and violated me. I had to make a step, an act of my will, to release that man, I pray that today, if there are those that still have a crushed spirit, that they will choose to release that person who has crushed them and that they would step into freedom and emotional growth and spiritual growth and into love and life.
And Father, as soon as they choose to forgive and trust you, you will open up their wound to Jesus Christ, the great physician. And he will pour his love into that wound and that love will be an antidote to the poison that robs them of life. Father, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Anne.